I would like to look first at 1 Corinthians 5, and then um, I will show you why that was helpful, or I'll try to show you why it's helpful. My goal is to answer a very simple question, but I want to read 1 Corinthians 5 before I tell you what the the simple question is. So at the end of uh, 1 Corinthians 5, uh, Paul has stern words. First Corinthians is a letter full of stern words because it's a church messed up in all the ways that we're messed up, like rather comprehensively. Thank you, Thank you so much. First uh, Corinthians five, starting at verse nine. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of a brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed, or is an idolater, reviler, drunken, drunkard, or swindler, <clears throat> not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil people from among you. Now, my purpose of this is not for you to start looking around the room saying, we're going to have to uh, kick some of these people out if we are serious about following Paul's advice. Uh, Not because you're sexually immoral, but because possibly some of you are idolaters. I've already admitted this 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 morning, so I think you may have to toss me None of you are greedy. This is why Chuck's leaving. <laughs> um, no, I read this so that we could deal with Matthew 7. Because if there is a verse that the marginally, uh, those who are marginally literate with regards to the Bible, if there's one that they want to throw in your face, it's Matthew 7, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. And they will say to you, doesn't Jesus tell you? Are you not interested in, in following Jesus' word about this? Stop judging me. And we've talked a bit about the, this culture's distaste for all forms of judgment as forms of oppression. Um, and th- I'm, I'm going to um, offer to you an understanding of what Jesus means here, but uh, this is in wet sand. Um, this is almost brand new for me. Um, it's messing with my head. I'm trying to be uh, responsive to the scriptures and what it says, but it's deeply contrary to all the ways that I was socialized inside the church. And so I have thought that I was blessing people by judging them even when they didn't ask for it. And I now think that not, might not be right. So let me read the first six verses of Matthew 7. And the sixth verse is particularly curious. Judge not that you, <clears throat> that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, 
and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we would ask that you would give us ears, that uh, by your Spirit you would lead us uh, to attend to those passages that hang together and are given for us instruction, for instruction, and that you would keep us from clinging to ideas that are wrong if they are not according to your word, but also that you would give us boldness to cling to what we thought we understood if it is what you would have us believe. Please be at work in us and cause us to grow together that we might serve you well. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So troubled by judge not lest you be judged and sick to death, there's a particularly unhelpful website, which I not recommend you go to because it's particularly unhelpful. But it's, um, it's on this verse, and, uh, and I found it because I was doing, working on this verse. And it's a Christian, um, of some, I don't know what denomination, but it's a website that says the, the most unhelpful verse that non-Christians will throw in your face, and it's judge not lest you be judged. And the, the point of the website is we've got the authority to judge them, They ought to be thanking us for judging them. You should go and judge them as loudly and boldly as you can because you're you're missing an opportunity if you don't let them have it with both barrels. And I thought, huh, I haven't been doing that. And I'm pretty sure that there's a fair amount of pressure from society not to do that. And is this what the Bible says? So um, I did what seminary trained me to do, delay. Oh, wait a minute. That's not what seminary trains you to do. well, I realize that it, that's not the, what seminary trains you to do is to use your tools. You learned a bunch of devices for understanding Scripture, but it also allows you to delay, which is good. So I couldn't decide what I should, what I should do to change my life until I'd looked up every single instance of the Greek word that's used that's translated judge here. <laughs> and there are 77, so I, had, I could at least wait for, to read 77 verses about all the places where the verb krino, uh, krinomai when it's in the middle form, uh, appears. So let's let scripture interpret scripture and we'll look at, all, maybe maybe it's a translation thing. Maybe what it means is uh, don't judge hatefully that you not be judged hatefully. Maybe that's what it means. <clears throat> but, and then I, what, it seemed to me that I found a pattern, but I re- this is what I want your help with. It's possible that I got it wrong. This is the pattern that seemed to emerge. The Bible is clear that judgment is, is going to happen. That Jesus will judge the world. That we will judge the angels. What? I mean, that one I don't get. Um, but, and that we are to judge the brothers. Inside the church, we have an obligation to speak the word of the Lord prophetically, to foretell God's good intentions, um, and to bring the word of the Lord to bear on the lives of other believers. That's all clear. What I don't find is any command to judge people outside the church. And more than that, I have Paul on purpose saying he's not going to. I'm not judging you. I judge those inside the church. I don't judge those outside the church. That's not my business. Jesus will judge... But right now, Jesus is not judging the world because God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's John three seventeen. 
Jesus is not judging the world now. Jesus is sending us with the words of life and hope, not the word of condemnation. Which is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, what business is it of mine to judge outsiders? But then it helped me, I think, understand what Jesus says in in Matthew 7, verse 6. I think he's talking about the judgment of the law of God. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs. There isn't anybody listening to what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that wouldn't know that the dogs and the pigs are the people outside of the the children of God. It's the people outside. So don't... And then he goes on. It isn't just don't do it because it's pointless. It is pointless, lest they trample the words underfoot and that they turn and attack you. I think Jesus is saying don't judge them because they won't get it and they won't hear you. They will turn to attack you because you will have given them a good reason not to hear anything else that you're saying. And what you want them to hear is that Jesus saves sinners. So it's not our job to judge them. But this left me further perplexed. (laughs) How did we ever get to the point that it seemed like the obvious things... The obvious way for Christians to bless the world was to tell them all of the ways that they were ruining their lives and making themselves fit for destruction. Well, that's a longer story, and I'll give you the very short version. From Constantine on, Christians had control of the culture, and they convinced themselves, we convinced ourselves, that we had our relationship to the lost was the relationship of a parent to a child. And it is appropriate for parents acting paternalistically to tell their children how they were making mistakes and correct them and lovingly admonish them to live in a way different, to stop organizing your life around playing video games, to stop organizing your your life around whatever you think your sexual identity really is, because that's bad for you. Um... My mother is a killjoy. I was nine, and we had found a, a refrigerator box. Refrigerator boxes are cool. They're big enough to get inside, and they're thick. And so we'd, painted a, we'd, we'd drawn a target on the outside, and my mom had these uh, scissors that came apart. Like, they had a hinge in the middle, so they were two very, very dagger-like things. Um, and so we would stand uh, for about from me to Andy, and one person would sit in the box, and we would throw the scissor halves, heavy scissor halves, at the box. And it was so cool, because when they got it right, you'd be sitting in the box, and, and you'd, see, tunk, you'd see half the blade come into the box. It was so cool. <laughs> now, most of you are aware that the structural integrity of a refrigerator box is not limitless. And so it was getting incre- it was getting more and more tissue paper-ish as the game was going on. And my mom found us as it was mostly holes. But we're still hucking the, uh, the, the scissors as hard as we can at the box. And I'm in the box when my mother comes outside. <laughs> she beats me. I'm the oldest. I mean, we got a spanking, and nobody had gotten hurt. Okay, I was cut in a couple of places because a couple times it went all the way through, and I didn't get out of the way in time. So I had a cut on my shoulder, and a, a 
cut somewhere else. But I mean, not, no vital organs were struck, and it was fun. And so my mom was doing the right thing, not only in stopping me and the rest of us, whole neighborhood had joined in by this time, uh, because nine-year-old boys are astonishingly stupid about this sort of thing. Uh, but not only did she stop me, but she hurt me. She inflicted pain that I did not otherwise, wouldn't have otherwise gotten, so that I would remember how dumb I was. And that's a loving thing for a parent to do. And if I had said, why do you hate me so much by judging me? She would have rightly said, it is my job. And for over a thousand years, the church has thought that it's their job to be the parent of the culture. And it isn't. And it's hard. And if you're my age, it's really hard. And if you're Megan's age, it's mostly like it would be something of a relief not to have to be the parent of the culture. I'm not finding fault with you. I think you're closer to right than I am. (laughs) So insofar as you've been kind of wondering, what's the deal with all these old Christians who think that it's our job to tell the world how to live its life? I was very careful in the way I put that. It's one thing to tell the world how to live its life when it's not asking. It's another thing to live in such a way that they want to know how they might live their life so that we, they might be as satisfied and content as we are. And then it's not answering like a parent. It's acting, answering like a friend. It just takes a long time to get to the place where the world thinks that you want to help, really, as opposed to thinking that what you really want to do is to dismiss them and treat them as children. I think it's hard. Now, it's possible that I'm just getting this wrong. So I want to know what part of this troubles you, if anything, Justin. Yeah. Right. Right. So the, so the Hebrew word that gets translated with krino, the Hebrew word in the Septuagint that gets turned into krino, um, is the shafat word. It's the word for judgment or mishnah. You know, one of the words that is just law. Right? It's the application of the law to the people. Um, even there, we have this very curious phenomenon about the application of the law of God to the surrounding nations. It's one thing when the prophet of the Lord comes and, and tells Israel all of the ways that they have broken their covenant with the Lord and they're disappointing him. And they're sowing destruction independent of God's supernatural acts of judgment They're sowing destruction in the natural ungluing of things. But when Amos and uh, Nahum and Obadiah, when they they bring the word of the Lord, and, and Isaiah over and over again brings the judgment against Edom and the judgment against Ammon, right? So we have all these judgments of people who are not the people of God. The judgments are about real, it's not about their idolatry. It's about the way, it, it's about um, neglect for the fatherless and the widow, for orphans and widows. It's for recklessness and the prosecution of war. It's for cruelty. But it's not for failing to keep the Sabbath. Right? They are judged for things that are, where it's just the, the natural hurt. So, but it's still a judgment. But the judgment, the way the judgments in the Old Testament goes... Even when there's a judgment of the surrounding nations, it's in this around and around and around and Israel. (laughs) 
because it's all it's a crescendo here are all the ways that the people who did not have the benefit of the law are nonetheless hurting themselves consider how much worse it is that Israel has ignored the word of the Lord to given to them as a blessing so I think it, that's always the pattern and so the prophets are bringing the it's it's part of bringing the judgment home to the people of God that there's a word of of warning a word of judgment against Edom that's that's how I read it that's right right so and it's always in the form of the how much more so for you O Israel so I think the point of the prophets is still it's a word for inside the primary hearer is not the the people of uh, Moab the hearer is the people of God how much more so for you then like that I don't know if that helps but that's yes Yes. Yes. Um, and that's unavoidable, right? Because the gospel is that Jesus saves sinners, and you can't do it without sinners. Well, I, I think you say what Paul does, that Jesus died to save sinners of whom I am the chief. And so it's one thing if you say, I am a sinner like you, and here is the only hope I have as a sinner like all the other people around here. What, what the world rightly finds offensive is for me to say, I'm okay, you're not. And that's what the church has done for years. It's been comfortable saying, we've got it together. We understand how to run a government. We understand how to run an economy. We understand, we understand everything. And y'all are a mess. <laughs> and you need to be more like us. And yeah, that is offensive, especially when you put it that way. Now, um, the, you can go very easily too far in what I'm saying. And it's super tempting. And I know this from talking to college students. I don't know, I mean, like Covenant College students who are strange. Um, well, I mean, Megan will back me up on this. Um, they're not normal in any interesting sense of normal. They're, uh, they're, uh, they're unusually bright. Uh, they really are. They're academically, there are very few that, that show up who are academically struggling. Now, we put them into a place to struggle because we're really, really hard, and we're having fun being really, really hard. <coughs> well, I'm having fun. But... Uh, but they also are intentional. They, on purpose, they've got a story. We're back to stories. They've got a story for why they want to be at this, uh, you know, they want to be on a mountain away from the ordinary delights of the world. They've made a choice. Even talking to them, they are, they are very quick to say, to be relieved and say, this means that I don't need to judge them even in my heart. Because the world thinks that if you're just judging people in your heart, you're offensive. So they're pretty excited about the idea that they can stop even judging to themselves. And so what I have to convince them of is that 
Uh, we need to hold on to the idea that God's Word gives us a pretty clear picture of what it means to live a fulfilled life, that there are culture-transcending norms for, human, uh, for, for humans to live life together, uh, for the way we relate to our property, to the way we relate to our sexual powers, the way we relate uh, to our, um, our powers to, um, to discourage or encourage people in their identity. Um, there's all sorts of ways that we can go wrong, and God's Word tells us what it means to be fulfilled. There are right answers to the questions, what does it mean to have a healthy relationship to my computer? Which turns out to be really hard, I'm finding. Um, my, my computer is teaching me really unhelpful things. Like, if I have to wait for more than five seconds, God hates me. For anything, right? The computer teaches you that uh, if, if I can't find the answer in two Google searches, the answer was not worth having. Right? And that's, uh, I'm learning from my students that they don't think they're experts. They don't need an expert about anything. That's not, why, that's not why they're in my class. It's not because I know more than they do, because their phone knows more than I do. And so they will do things. This would never have happened 20 years ago. I'll be in the middle of a sentence, and the students will say, um, I don't think so. I say, well, why not? I says, because uh, Wikipedia says, weariness old age. You do understand that if it's on Wikipedia, it means that it's the consensus opinion of 27-year-old men who live in their parents' basement and wear sweatpants all day. This is just true. Um, They have statistics on this. Wikipedia is overwhelmingly controlled by unmarried men in their 20s. Because it's supposed to be democratically constructed source of information and so there are, no, uh, there are no experts allowed. It's, uh, and the only way that you get the power to overwrite someone else's entry is that you've written things that were not overwritten by people above you in the food chain. There is this hierarchy of authority inside the Wikipedia universe. And the more time you spend there, the more authority you'll have. That's how it works. So if you've got hours, you're unemployed, you live in a basement, your mom cooks your food and washes your clothes, and, and you live there, you, will, you can rise to a pretty high level in the Wikipedia control universe, which is why, look, there's really interesting, this is my favorite statistic about Wikipedia. The entry on Superman is longer than the entry for all of the African countries put together. <laughs> that tells you that the people who control the information on Wikipedia don't value what God values, because God cares more about every single country in, in in Africa than he does about Superman, who isn't real. (laughs) This is bad news for you, Justin, but he's not real. (laughs) Uh, No, so if if you, and if you ask your phone, if you ask Siri, Siri is going to say, I found an answer for you. But the answer she found is from Wikipedia, which means she's channeling these 27-year-old losers. So don't ask your phone. If you learned it on Wikipedia, it, you should give it all of the respect that you give something that you learned on a bathroom wall. It might be true, but you'll always know where you heard it. But I digress. Yeah, I am.
Sure. No, I'm not asking you to privatize. Right, right. But that's no. the culture would the culture would push back and say that's why faith belongs to home and the Sure. While we deal with the real stuff out here. Yeah. So where do we make well, balance the I agree with everything you said, how do we balance that with taking more of those things? right. So uh, Rachel has uh, the outline of what I would be talking about here. I just didn't want to give it all away. <clears throat> I wanted you to have to listen to me, not just read. But you can circulate those. Uh, I want to go to something that's at the very end of uh, this outline, and that is I think the church's obligation with regards to private conversations and then when we get an opportunity to speak, uh, take public stands on things, is that uh, if you can help it, you want to offend people with the gospel and not something else. And it just confuses the world when it appears that we care as much about political power as we do about Jesus' honor. And often the world quickly understands that the reason we're doing what we're doing is because we want power. Not that we want Jesus exalted, it's that we're, we, we want to be protected, and so we're agitating, we're, we're seizing for worldly levers of influence in order to protect our livelihood. There isn't anything in the New Testament that says you should organize your life around protecting your property or your reputation, for that matter. And so I would first want to know, why are you doing it? So why are you, why are you, getting, why are you grabbing the megaphone? And if you've got a hold of the megaphone, why are you talking about your comfort? <laughs> why would, if they got the megaphone, why wouldn't you talk about uh, Jesus saved me, wretched, miserable sinner that I am. Why wouldn't you? Well, because they don't want to hear that, right? They will take it away from you. Okay. <laughs> um, I think when people ask you, if they bring the microphone and stick it in your face, and they say, what do you think of the Supreme Court decision? Uh, um, I run from microphones in public places because I fear editors like nobody's business. I really don't trust them to preserve what I say. And I'm reasonably certain that they will only save the bit that fits what they expected. So if I said, my heart breaks for people who think that their fulfillment lies in that kind of relationship, who knows how that's going to get edited down? But that's the truth. Uh, my heart does break for them. They are, um, they are content to gnaw on uh, a hunk of bark and call it a meal. That's what's going on. Do I hate them? No. Am I afraid of them? No. Um, and it isn't because there's a cultural, there's a Christian consensus that's going to protect me from them. There's a decent chance that uh, in uh, before I retire from Covenant, uh, Covenant will lose uh, tax-exempt status and be uh, attacked by the federal government for having policies against, I mean, you sign a statement when you join the faculty that you will not engage in sexual conduct that is contrary to biblical norms. Whether you're straight or gay, you know, I, I, can't, um, I can't commit adultery, um, that would be inconsistent with that, but all of that, right, all sexual, anything that's um, uh, sexually deviant according to the word of God, I'm saying I'm not going to do. And the world currently thinks that that's a really oppressive, discriminatory thing to require of people. And eventually, we'll, the, the government will try to close us down for it. 
Um, yeah. Um, I'm not looking forward to that, right? I would like to keep that from happening, and I'm going to—I'm perfectly willing to hire lawyers to make it take them as long as it possibly can. But I would rather the college not be known as the place that is holding out against the gay agenda. I, I, I want it to be known for the love of Jesus and a desire to to serve neighbor, our neighbors, serve God's glory and my neighbor's good. I'd rather we be known for that, so I'd rather we not jump out in front to defend the liberty of Christian schools to have policies like that. I'm mean, just not going to jump out front. Well, um, depends on what opposing it means. Um, I've I've never thought that the state had the. Oh, hmm. I wouldn't oppose that. I'd vote for it. Um, I think it'd be a perfectly sensible kind of thing to put in a constitutional amendment. I think it would fail. I think we would do. Sure, but I don't think the church should say uh, we're having a rally. Uh, in favor of this amendment. Um, I can imagine there being um, uh, a Wednesday night meeting where we talked about what, what steps we could take to help the amendment pass. We've had the very same thing with abortion. Similar sort of thing. The world, would, the world is perfectly okay with abortion. <laughs> um, it's really convenient, and it allows us to kill people who we don't like. <laughs> people who are inconvenient to us. Um, but the church has taken stance, although very, very carefully. I think very, very carefully. You don't want, I, I don't think it's our job for our, our identity, for the world's first thought about uh, First Press Macon or Lookout Mountain Press, for their first thought to be, oh, they're the place that are working to pass a constitutional amendment. I think it's okay to talk about it. Uh, I just don't think that you spend energy making that your identity. It's not our identity. I mean, we, we know there are truths involved and there are ways that I mean, as citizens, there are things that we do, but I think we run the risk of people, because the world will very quickly understand, oh, they're a political action committee. I mean, it's just a pack. Okay, we understand packs. Like-minded people get together and try to make the world, make the legislature, uh, make the world, uh, make life easy for them. I'd rather we not be known for that. I'll take steps, but I don't. If that's if that's rising to the level, it's it's what people the first thought people have. I'd be worried about the steps we're taking and about the way we're going about publicizing what we're doing. If that helps, Justin. Um, and, but I'm obviously against this, sure. this institution. Like, so I guess I, think, I feel like some of what's being said right now is like, oh, this is good. when I see these this is hard. in place, how do I respond? 
Um, well, the, if if it were the, the middle of the 1800s, the first thing that people should notice is that nobody in this church owns slaves. <laughs> that we're not benefiting from the institution, and we're not providing justifications for the people who do. That wasn't what actually happened. What actually happened is Christians thought that they needed to defend the culture, and they thought it was defending Jesus. Um, I think there are times when... I think uh, here's a harder case for me than... much harder than what to do about the gay agenda. Because these are people who... um, they sincerely believe they're seeking their good. And there weren't any slaves that sincerely believed that the institution was serving their good. Harder case for me is what to do with uh, the church as a place that welcomes the alien, by which I mean the undocumented alien. And I'm genuinely torn. The civic-minded American with a stake in the economy would rather, if we're going to have a welfare state, and we do, I would rather not have it go to anybody who can get inside the country because I'll end up paying for it. But then it just sounds really selfish when I put it that way. (laughs) So I get more high-minded and say there's a principle of law to be defended, and so I should be... uh, There should be no churches who are helping people get into the country or helping protect people who would otherwise be deported. Um, That sounds hard-hearted, too. (laughs) Uh, uh, That's the troubling one for me because it it forces me to choose. What do I care more about? My own economic interest in a welfare state or uh, being a place that people understand it's um, a place that welcomes the alien and the stranger. Yeah, but I don't know the answer to this one, so don't, I just don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Yes? Right. Um, Until Augustine's City of God, the church thought it was not possible for Christians to be civic officials, to be governors, soldiers, police officers. They just thought it was incompatible, that, that the project of the state was so at right angles to the project of the church that you couldn't do both. And Augustine gave an argument that led a lot of people to believe that you could do both. And so since 410, we've thought it was okay. Um, and I think it's okay. I'm not, I'm not arguing that we should return to a kind of principled withdrawal from, from all things having to do with power. But that really was, that's the, the current withdrawal movement is about worldly power is inconsistent with the power of the gospel. You should not be trying to wield two different weapons. <clears throat> um, I think it's possible, but I just think it's really, really hard and uh, because my, I have a twin brother who was the deputy undersecretary of housing and then the director, the director of the Rural Housing Agency, which is housing and urban development for all government entities smaller than 5,000 people that they serve. So he, he had 12,000 people in the federal government who worked for him, believer, having to answer this question every day, multiple times every day. 
the gospel says that I should value this. Government policy says I should value that. Do I split the difference? Do I? It's really, really hard. Um, and I think all you can say to people like that is that you're going to make the you're going to make the choices prayerfully together with uh, sisters and brothers in Christ who can tell you you're missing that or you're missing that, and you're in the Word more zealously than you ever have been. It's just the world's broken. And so if you understand the government as limiting the deleterious effects of the fall, then you can be in the government, and you're just going to seize your opportunities to diminish the amount of brokenness that's hurting people. But if you think the point of government is the exercise of power, then you might need to get out. Uh, Then it might be inconsistent with being a follower of Christ. That's a really unhelpful answer. As I'm saying it, it's sounding unhelpful. Elliot. I think that's what it is to make judgments, and if and you need to do the repentance first, because it isn't any um, right. So uh, this question, the one about you can't help but judge them by talking about Jesus saving sinners. One of the ways of bringing up the fact of judgment is to recognize your own failures. And so when you are openly repenting, and especially powerful as a corporate repentance, you say, this is what we have done, and we, we are sorrowing over this, and we believe that these are the ways that we can be working to repair some part of the damage that we've done. We won't repair it all. And we have reached out to these people to help us understand the steps that we might take. Right? All of that, um, if it's treated like a trick, like a marketing ploy, the world will understand it right away. Politicians do this all the time. They pretend to be sorry that you were confused. I mean, picking at random. <laughs> but we can't do it that way. It has to be we are genu- genuinely sorry. And to, at some level, we are waiting to hear that you are satisfied before we climb back up on the high horse and take advantage of our opportunity to control things. It's very, very hard to do. Um, There's a chance that I have sincerely repented to my wife once, maybe, maybe. (laughs) Repentance is really hard. Um, And it's really easy to do badly. (laughs) And really hard to do for real. Um, but if, especially if you've got power. And the more power you have, the harder it is. Because it's so hard to believe that you'll get it back if you repent. Because you think people will hold it over you for the rest of your life. You admitted that you were wrong. I don't have... No, it turns out not to be that way with your children. I can only say that with regards to my wife and my children, you can sincerely say that you were wrong and wait for them to give you permission to exercise that kind of power again, and they will. But you just have to wait. Because they don't have to trust you ever again, but they will. In part because they know that you serve the Lord rather than yourself. In part. At least that's what you're striving to do. Andy. Oh! Okay. That, That would be kind. Um, I'll hang around.